0: As a program, I think, you know, I, I talked about it when I got here. I want, I want a team that can compete for championships on a consistent basis. You know, and to do that, you're going to have to go, you're going to compete for championships, you're going to have to beat Alabama. As, as everybody said last year, what's the margin? Last year it was six points, this year it was two, you know, and hopefully we get one more shot at it.
1: Uh, they've
2: got like 105-star football players on their defense. They have a defensive lineman that weighs 340 pounds and, and runs better than everybody on this call.
3: Five-star recruits everywhere and they play really physically
1: i think memphis played more mature than we did i think that uh, which i don't even know exactly what that means but they're more advanced than we were and then um sometimes morale doesn't need to be boosted now you need to boost something but it's not always morale that needs to be boosted and between now and tomorrow i'm going to figure out what it is that needs to be boosted and whether i'm right or not we're going to boost something
2: well you know like i told him i mean don't, you know we're not satisfied by any stretch, but you can't ever apologize for a win.
3: You know? you know, we don't have to have the best players; we just have to have the best team. Our kids have bought into that. Listen, potential doesn't. Potential is the worst thing you can have, because that I means you ain't done it. I hate the word potential. When somebody says you got the potential to have a good team. It drives me nuts. That means means I'm not coaching right, and they're not playing right.
4: Oh, welcome in the latest episode of that SEC podcast. I'm your host, Michael Breton. I go by SEC Mike on Twitter. And do we got a show lined up for you? Thanks to Dead Bullet and Coach O. And we got a great show lined up here on a Tuesday. But before we get to the news around the SEC, got to mention the sponsors Prize Picks. Head on over to prizepicks.com and use that promo code SEC when you do sign up for some daily fantasy sports that's the best way fans can support the show we're truly independent here we don't cost a it doesn't cost you anything to get the podcast or watch us on the youtube so we do really appreciate each and every one of you that heads on over to prizepicks.com and don't forget to use that promo code sec but again we got a loaded week of action here in the sec upcoming but before we get to the Week 10 storylines here that are popping up fresher bye-bye that I really wanted to discuss. Uh, The SEC has come out and announced the Week 11 kickoff times, as they do every Monday. So I wanted to tackle those real quick. And some interesting selections here. I'll throw it up on the screen on the YouTube if you're watching. But, man, this noon the first noon game listed could be The game of the week, it's pretty interesting they went with the the noon time slot here. But Mississippi State at Auburn. And again, I know both of those teams have very challenging games this weekend. Mississippi State at Arkansas, Auburn at Texas A&M. They are underdogs in each of those games. But just imagine if they win, what a colossal showdown this will be on the Plains. Noon Eastern, 11 o'clock Central on ESPN. Scratching my head and how that could even be a possibility of the noon time slot here. We also got New Mexico State at Alabama. Again, noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central. This one's on the SEC Network. We got Sanford at Florida. I think that's Sanford. It's a little bulldog down there, but uh, that's a noon Eastern, 11 a.m. Central on ESPN and SEC Network. Plus, the CBS game, georgia at tennessee number one in the nation cbs is gonna want to showcase the bulldogs as much as possible going up against josh heupel's offense and hey little peel back behind the curtain here cousin shane i mean (laughs) he truly does think that vol stand a shot in this game for some damn reason his logic we'll talk to him about it on the next episode i'm sure but uh he just thinks Georgia's not faced anyone that can score some points. And Tennessee, we all know, can do that. I don't have the confidence thing can do that on them Bulldogs, though. So tag you uh, Big Orange Vols cousin Shane there and make fun of them if you want. I'd, I'd appreciate that. All right, moving over to the uh, 4 o'clock Eastern, 3 o'clock Central time slot. South Carolina at Missouri. That's going to be on SEC Network. Texas A&M at Ole Miss. The ESPN night game, 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central, nationally televised. That is going to be one hell of a game. And remember, we didn't get this matchup last year. It was one of the only SEC games we didn't get because of COVID. Georgia, Vanderbilt, I believe, was the only other game in league play that we didn't get last season. Kentucky at Vanderbilt. What? Why is this prime time? 7 o'clock Eastern, 6 o'clock Central on ESPN2. Again, that's a head scratcher. And then Arkansas, who, they got they finally got their night game, Arkansas. In Death Valley at LSU. Oh my god, 7:30 Eastern, 6:30 Central on the SEC Network. So the Razorback fans finally get their night game and the SEC gives them the big middle finger and says, "Hey, enjoy Baton Rouge, Razorbacks." I mean, that's my god. I know LSU is not the toughest team this season, but That is one hell of a tough place to play. So I don't know what Arkansas did to the SEC to get the shaft on these schedules. But, uh, hey, it is what it is. That's the week 11 kickoffs here. Week 10 is going to be fantastic. Week 11 looks great as well. But let's get into the action. And, you know, how can we do anything but uh, jump on down to Gainesville to start the show? Because things are just spiraling spiraling quickly here on Dan Mullen. I mean, I mean, just think about where this program was 12 months ago, beating Georgia, essentially locking up the East. I can't remember if they locked it up with that win, but they may, they may have last season. But, man, ever since that first LSU loss, and now obviously the second LSU loss, man, fans are turning left and right on Dan Mullen. And now, if you missed it, let's throw up some quotes here from uh, bruce feldman of the athletic man did he did he put out a article here on monday before we get to the article man it just it just seems so convenient all this timing it's almost like dan mullen's got a lot of enemies that i don't know about but uh you know they're all hitting them right where it hurts right here and and i'm not calling bruce feldman out when i say that i because you know he's just doing his job and he's he he may be the best out there literally bruce feldman does an outstanding job but He's got some comments here from uh, some unnamed SEC coaches. Florida, they just don't play hard. Georgia's trying to rip your head off. They might be up 30, and their linebackers are flying up the field to get after your ass. Florida's a finesse team. That's tough. Here's another quote from an SEC offensive line coach. Speaking of Florida, they play with zero discipline. They don't play hard. Here's another one. We were way more physical and much better than them in the box. We were mauling them. That's a SEC unnamed offensive coach. And then how about this one? I just don't get the sense that Mullen is as obsessive about recruiting as Nick Saban, Kirby Smart, Ed Orgeron, even Ryan Day, the Ohio State coach. That's how these guys are when it comes to recruiting. That's how Urban Meyer was when he was at Florida. Ultimately at that stage your hedge coach is so critical Mullen is just not as dialed in and you can't be that way if you're going to be competing for number one classes and that comes from an unnamed recruiting coordinator. And now these comments come obviously after Kirby Smart's comments here on Saturday right after the ball game. Let's uh, kick it back to what Kirby had to say real quick just on recruiting uh, and there's a reason I'll be playing this.
0: Where does that sort of mindset to always sort of be recruiting come from, and why do you think you have so much success with it? You have to.
3: I mean, guys, if you don't recruit, there's no coach out there that can out-coach recruiting, okay? I, I don't care who you are. The best coach to ever play the game better be a good recruiter because no coaching is going to out-coach players. I mean, anybody will tell you our defense is good because we got good players. So spending time on the phone, you know, spending time with people at your house, spending time with people when they come to your campus. You know, I'm not with my family when I'm doing that. My family sacrifices so that I can go and spend time with other people's families so that we have good players. So, you know, that's 25% evaluation. That's 50% recruiting. And another 25% is going to be coaching. But if you don't recruit guys, you got no chance. Just go look. Look at the best teams out there. They got good football players. And that's the reason I believe in recruiting. And I believe you better always be recruiting, always be recruiting because if you're not somebody else is.
4: So hell, I just played those comments on the last episode, but I wanted to repeat that in case you missed it because Dan Mullen, of course, was asked about recruiting right out the gate. This is the very first question he got on his press conference here on Monday. And I know the comments were taken a little bit out of context. So it's important that you hear the full clip here, and even more important, perhaps, that you watch it on the YouTube. We'll throw the video up here as usual, because uh, you know Dan Mullen. I don't think he handled this the right way, but I don't think it was quite as bad as a lot of people made it out to be. So uh, let's kick it over to Dan Mullen again. This is the first question he was asked on Monday after the Georgia loss about recruiting, and he shut it down pretty quick. Uh, Coach, the topic of
1: recruiting has come up a lot in the last couple of days from a few angles. Uh, is
4: there a
1: different approach needed for the, the level no. of the consistency? No, well, we're,
0: we're in the season right now. We'll do recruiting after the season, and when it gets to this recruiting time, we can talk about recruiting. Sounds good.
4: Okay, um, okay. Uh, you, next Sanger. question. All right, so you could kind of see yeah, it was portrayed on Twitter as if Dan Mullen was saying, you know, we don't recruit during the season. That We recruit after the season. That's not at all what he's saying. He's saying, I'll speak to you about it after the season. and. You know, again, I don't think that's the right approach. I think he should have manned up. I put it out there on Twitter. You know, what he should have said was just look at the games last week. Look at the games this season. We're not getting it done. It starts with me. We, If we have to make changes, we have to make changes. We've got to attack that a lot tougher. You know, he doesn't have to throw anyone under the bus, but he's got to get out there and say our recruiting efforts have not been what they – at the level they need to be, and that's that's squarely on my shoulders and it's going to get better. That's what he should have come out here and said, not, well, hell, we'll talk about that (laughs) on down the line when it's a little bit more important. Because let me tell you, no one gives a damn if you go out here, and I'm speaking of Florida fans, you go out there and whack South Carolina and Missouri and who else you got to play? Here's the final four games at South Carolina, Sanford, at Missouri, Florida State. I know Florida State's a rival, but, hell, they're not going to be uh, patting you on the back. You go out there and beat those four teams. That is not going to do anything for a fan base that's expecting championships, that's expecting you to be in the race every season in the SEC East. And, hell, after that Kentucky game, you were you weren't eliminated, but you might as well have been. And that was, what, five, six weeks into the season. That ain't going to cut it, brother. So just not handling things that he should be. And, I mean, at this point, I wonder if we really do have to worry about uh, Dan Mullen being let go. And, again, I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's too good of a coach to let go. But he's losing all his goodwill. I mean, everybody knows the stats, I would think, by now. He's, what is he, 2-7 and against his last nine power five competition with the only wins being against Tennessee and Vanderbilt. So that ain't good. That's not going to cut it. And I think it's not so much about uh, you know, the last nine games, whatever. It's about the trajectory of this program. It's it's trending down at the moment. Does that mean it's gonna stay down? No. But it's gonna be hard to prove anything other than uh it's gonna be hard to get that thing turned around right away and winning these last four games winning a potential bowl game i don't think that's going to do much to ease these fans so it's almost like you're i don't want to say dead man walking here but these lingering concerns are going to be here all off season and it's a florida's just in such a tough spot because even if they do fully intend to bring back dan mullen which at this point i still think they should remember the southern cal job is open the lsu job is open I mean, there are some big-time jobs that are. Who knows? Penn State may be open. Florida, arguably a better job than all those. We, you know, remember Shane uh, and I kind of debated LSU, Florida. You know, which job's better and all that. I mean, you could, and we threw Texas A&M in there. Those are all elite jobs, make no mistake. But my point being was, as long as Nick Saban's there in the West, I would take Florida over all those jobs. I know Georgia's in the East, but the East far more manageable than the West at this moment. So flip a coin, which job's better, but hell. Remember the last time Florida had an opening Scott Frost, Chip Kelly, those seem to be the candidates and they, I don't want to say Dan Mullen was their third option. He, he certainly wasn't their first option. I believe he may have been an option number two, but You know, that just goes to show, I mean, just because you're Florida, just because your job's open doesn't mean everybody and their mother is going to be running to take it. So the expectations are sky high. But where Florida may be in some real trouble here on the recruiting front is the fact that, you know, everybody and their mother knows Todd Grantham's gone. And it sounds like other assistants like John Hevesy also likely out the door expect major staff turnover. How can you recruit and recruit well? when people know the, you know, they don't know who's going to be there next year. They don't know which coordinators are going to be there. They don't know what staff members are going to be there. So that's something that Dan Mullen has got to have to recruit against. And we already know he's not a great recruiter, even when those questions aren't lingering. And now there's probably going to be lingering concerns about whether he's going to be there or not. And I really think at the end of the day, the worst aspect of uh, the Dan Mullen era to this point in Gainesville is the fact that Florida state and Miami have been down the entire time and you've not dominated that state on the recruiting trail. You've just, you know, the the opportunity was there and it's still there. It's still there to seize that state and, you know, swoop into South Florida and get those elite players. But hell, whenever there's an elite player in the state of Florida, it seems like, They're going to Georgia, seems like they're going to Clemson, seems like they're going to Alabama when you're the Florida Gators. You should be getting a lot more of those guys, but for some reason you're not. And just imagine if Florida State or Miami somehow turn it around, what's that going to do to recruiting? Is it really going to get better if uh, those programs are suddenly on equal footing with you? Which, again, I'm not saying that's going to happen, but the time is now. And the window's closing to capitalize on it. And hell, if they haven't done it by now, I don't know if it's going to happen. So, that's a real, real issue. And one final thing here, I, I wanted to kind of hit on with the Florida Gators. Hell, I forgot to mention this. They've canceled all their media availability this week as well. So, and that was after Dan Mullen. His presser was about half as long as they usually are. Went 15 minutes. Usually, almost always over 30 minutes here, right or right around that. So. They cut the media time in half. They've canceled all the other media availabilities. The only one he's going to have is his Wednesday teleconference and any other program at this point that would not be a huge red flag. But it, it certainly seems like they don't want any information getting out. They, they're kind of hunkering down. It's us against the world. And maybe that's what they need. Maybe that's what they need there in Gainesville. But it certainly is interesting. And, again, I referenced that last four games on the schedule here. And make no mistake, it it may seem easy to say this, but I think this is the most challenging, potentially four-game stretch that Dan Mullen's ever going to have as a head coach in his head coaching career. And remember, he's been in the SEC a long, long time. But I'll read this schedule to you again. At South Carolina, Sanford at home, at Missouri, and Florida State at home. And why is that so challenging? I mean, you're probably rolling your eyes saying, my God, they should win each of those by 20 points at least. And they should. But having such a light schedule, does that seep into the players' minds? I don't know how it doesn't. And when your SEC hopes are dashed, you're wondering if your coach is going to be there. What have you got to play for? You've lost so many big games, LSU, Georgia, Alabama, Kentucky. How easy is it going to be to get up for these other games? And I know fans just expect They just roll the ball out there, and on Saturday, they're going to whip South Carolina's ass. They'll whip Missouri's ass, and Florida State, they're terrible. They lost to FCS. We'll whip their ass. It doesn't work that way. If those teams come ready to play and don't make any mistakes, and you're not prepared, and you're making mistakes, we see it time and time again. I mean, hell, Florida's lost to Georgia Southern. Tennessee's lost to Georgia State. Uh, We've seen... Furman beat South Carolina. I mean, the list goes on and on and on. I mean, teams get beat all the time. And that is, this is a dangerous territory that uh, I think Florida is entering in with everybody and their mother saying, well, hell, these last four games will win them easily. Uh, but what is there really to play for? You know, Dan Mullen, that is something he addressed here as well on Monday and, you know, kind of challenging his players, so to speak, on. Uh, you know, it doesn't seem like he's a, he's appreciating these comments of of uh, you know getting his team up ready and he and he talks a big game here, but talking is one thing. We got to see it on the field, and it, uh, this is I think the biggest topic here in Gainesville the next four weeks.
3: We you, you talked
0: with me about on Saturday after the game about the mindset. Yeah. You've you've coached a few seasons. I think it's like thirteen, so a couple games. So you know the <laughs> world. Oh yeah. Is there, is there any bad blood carrying over from losses? Like, I know there was the bye, but LSU to Georgia. And then how do you kind of stop any negativity that you were talking to me about? Or maybe guys that have like, oh, we got four losses in the championship, no big bowl game. Like, they're just like, the season's done with. Is there Yeah, on? I don't see that with our guys. I, I see the, you know, the frustration. I, I, obviously, I don't think any of our guys are happy with where we are and where we're at. I know I'm certainly not. Uh, you know, and as a competitor, you know, there, there's two ways to look at it, right? I mean, like oh, like you said, however, you, you just did it like kind of the woe is me factor. Um, or as a competitor is I can't wait to get on the field and go compete. Um, and that mindset, you know, that, that competitive mindset will pull you through to go compete. Uh, and then I got to get things cleaned up to make sure our performance is at a higher level. And when you perform at a higher level, both in practice and games, that'll build the confidence. Okay. And then when you have the confidence, you have to change your mindset and have the attitude uh, where you expect to go in, where you expect things to happen. You know, there, there's a, a very fragile uh, deal within a game where. I, you know, as players, talk about it. Hey, I expect us, the ball to bounce my way. I expect to make the play. I expect to win the game. I expect every break to go our way. Then there's the other one is, hey, I'm looking around for someone else to make the play. Or, oh, no, what's going to happen wrong next to us? And that's a fine line. And so you have to, one, change your mindset. But the best way to change your mindset is within your preparation uh, so that you know you have the confidence being prepared at that moment to go out there. And then all of a sudden... When the, uh, you know, when the brakes go your way and things, good things start happening to you, all of a sudden, boy, there's a big change and, and that confidence sways the other way, but it's all goes through preparation. So how, did, how does the complacent mindset change to a dominant, I need to go out there and- Ah, uh, you got to be a competitor to do that. You know what I mean? I mean, you got to be a competitor. And, and, and here's the thing is you don't get to, you don't usually get here. Uh, you're not playing football at the level that these guys play football at. You're not playing in the Southeastern Conference. You're not playing at the University of Florida. Uh, if you have a complacent mindset, you don't even make it here. You know what I mean? Uh, you know, I mean, uh, the. Uh, well, not complacent like you said. I mean, ladies. that's 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 yeah. a comp- that's a that's a competitor, man. You'll be a competitor, you know. And I, I, not everybody are competitors, you know. But I mean, guys, most uh, the guys on our team are competitors. So I don't, I don't even think there is anything to that.
4: So you get the sense. I mean, this is a continuation of his hold the rope <laughs> comments here after the Georgia game. And, again, it's one thing for him to be aware of it. It's it's another for the players. I mean, that's what it boils down to. Where is the focus of this team at this point with uh, so many hopes and dreams dashed? And I think you saw it there in the first half against Georgia. I mean, this – I thought they were pretty locked in at the beginning of the game. I mean, the offense clearly – was not getting it done, but I think that had more to do with Georgia's defense being so elite. The Gators were manning up with Georgia for the first half until the turnovers, and then once they got punched in the mouth, I mean, they just crumbled. And have are they really going to just get right back up, or are they going to stay down? And that's what we're going to find out Saturday. But I, I know if I'm a South Carolina fan, I'm, I'm loving this spot. No one's expecting you to do anything. You're getting them at home at night. Should be a rowdy environment as long as uh, the Gamecock Nation is not completely given up on the season. I don't know. This is a tough, tough, I think it's going to be a lot tougher game here for the Florida Gators than many are giving them credit for. And uh, these comments by Dan Mullen, I think they speak to that. All right, next, let's jump it all down to Baton Rouge. We had some big news here.
2: My honor to present the National Championship Trophy to Coach Ed Ogeron and the LSU Tigers.
4: Because quarterback Miles Brennan has entered the NCAA transfer portal. Let's throw up uh, his – he had a statement here he released on Twitter. I'll throw that up on the YouTube channel. But interesting uh, development here, of course, uh, you know, with Coach O out the door. Miles Brennan looking for a new opportunity. Makes sense. They got Max Johnson. They got Garrett Nussmeyer, They've got a five-star quarterback committed. Of course, he's apparently looking around, (laughs) and who can blame him? Because they don't know who the coach is going to be, but I think his name's Walker Thomas, something like that. But, hell, if they get all those guys in there, is is the new coach really going to rely on a – you know, older player that uh, can't stay healthy. So, and as I understand it, Miles Brennan is uh, trying to get a medical redshirt. If he's able to do that, he'll have two seasons of eligibility remaining to play elsewhere. So at least one year, hopefully two for him, but uh, it'll be interesting to see where he goes. It's kind of funny when Harrison Bailey got in the portal. Now, Miles Brennan, I see so many Gamecocks (laughs) tagging Shane Beamer. Who knows? Maybe one of these guys could end up at South Carolina. But uh, I think Miles Brennan is going to have some interesting options here. And, you know, you got to be careful what I'm saying here. I'm not saying he's the next Joe Burrow. That's ridiculous. Joe Burrow, one of the best of all time. But kind of like Joe Burrow, you know, he didn't live up to his hype there at Ohio State because of injuries. And that's the same thing for Miles Brennan. And I think there's potential there. You know, there's players that can't see the field and don't see the field because they're not good enough. And we look at their recruiting rankings and say, oh, my God, their former five-star, former four-star, he's in the portal. we got to go get him. But if you can't get on the field at whatever school you're at, are you really going to just transfer in and, and see the field? I think uh, I think the ceiling is a lot higher for a guy like Miles Brennan, who, hell, if, I know the uh, 2020 season for LSU was a nightmare, but one of the few highlights was Miles Brennan. He, he had about, uh, I think, 1,200 yards passing, 11 touchdowns, one, I think only a few interceptions, and that was in three, three-and-a-half games, something like that, maybe only three games. He has shown he can play at this level. He just can't stay healthy. So it's a roll of the dice to be certain, but maybe he just needs a change of scenery, better training staff, better medical staff. Who knows? Let's let's hope for Miles Brennan's sake. That's a guy that uh, could have transferred long ago. Hell, he could have transferred when they brought in Joe Burrow, who they, they basically brought in to start over him. Let's hope it works out for Miles Brennan somewhere. Hey, but that's not the only LSU <laughs> comments here where man, the fans are – I thought this was going to be a great, you know, farewell to Coach O and his victory tour and all that, but it uh, seems like fans are wearing thin on him already. And this was just one hell of a comment here. Coach O was asked about his self-scout, but he thought that the question was, you know, scouting Alabama, how are the Crimson Tide looking – so that's how he starts it, and then they, they quickly correct him and say, no, 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 self-scout, how, how are you looking? This clip is just fantastic.
3: You said you used last week to do a lot of
2: scouting. Uh, what did you come up with, and you know, how, how confident are you that your coaches kind of you know learned a lot about your team?
1: Yeah, well, <laughs> they're very good, as always, well, very well coached. I'm sorry, self-scouting. Uh, well, on us, yeah. okay, on us. Well, self-scouting, we're too predictable. About uh, formations, too predictable on first down. Uh, we're very, very predictable on, uh, on defense. Uh, we need to have more of a variety on first down. We're uh, giving them the same looks over and over again. Uh, there's not much disguise. What we lined up in, we were in. So we got to, you, know, you can't, this part of the season, you just can't put a lot of new stuff in. But we put in a couple little wrinkles to make it tough. And then the, the biggest part for us on defense is adjusting. Uh, we have not been in the right adjustments. We have not been in the right position according to some formations. So we had an adjustment period all last week, adjustment period all this week. We've been doing it, but we're really, really holding in and being in the right place at the right time.
4: So I know Cousin Shane's out there dying laughing at this one. I mean, he did a complete 180, didn't he, when he realized, oh, you're not asking me about Alabama. You're asking me about our team? Yeah. Yeah, we're we're terrible. <laughs> lot, a lot of issues there in Baton Rouge, obviously. But, hell, let's give Coach O credit for at least being transparent here. You're, what is it, something like a 30-something point underdog on the road against Alabama. But uh, that sums it up pretty good. All right, next, let's uh, kick it on down to Lexington real quick where... You know, I want to do a little bit deeper dive on this game once we got uh, the Tennessee homer on the line because I know he's dying to talk about it. But this is a very, very important game for the Kentucky Wildcats. Yeah, Tennessee is one that is always in their head. I don't care what they say. And I know the fans, Tennessee fans think they own Kentucky. It's because they do. Uh, and I know last season, of course, the Wildcats got the big win here, 34-7. to Jarrett Garantano still throwing interceptions in that game through two pick sixes. I what was it? Harrison Bailey, I think, or, or JT Strout came off the bench. They threw interceptions. I mean, it was just a shit show for the Vols. And that was the game that a uh, large percentage of the fan base turned on Jeremy Pruitt. But I mean, outside of, yeah, I, I'll tell you this. If Hendon Hooker throws two pick sixes, Kentucky is going to win again. But uh, that seems highly unlikely because I don't know that I've ever seen that before. And uh, it's, You know, Kentucky's defense just got shredded by Mississippi State through the year. So there are concerns, I would say for sure, that uh, Kentucky, they always touted as this is a different Kentucky. is a new era. We're doing well on the recruiting trail, which they are. Uh, But, you know, they lost to Georgia. They they tried to change up their routine. You know, the Mississippi State streak lives on the losing in Starkville. They changed up. They usually don't stay in Starkville. I think they got there early. They stayed in Starkville. They were trying something new, and it blew up in their face just the same. So, I mean, I think there's a little bit of a sense of here we go again. And, again, Tennessee is a team that is always in Kentucky's head. Look at interesting series here, I should say. Like I said, last year Tennessee was favored by six and a half. Kentucky blew them out. The year prior, in Lexington, Kentucky was the favorite. One-and-a-half-point favorite. Tennessee won outright by four. 2018, Tennessee was the underdog by five, believe it or not. Tennessee won 24-7, blew them out. 2017, at Lexington, again, Kentucky was a four-point favorite. Tennessee won 29-26. So, there's been names in this series where Kentucky was favored and they didn't get it done in recent history, and that's got to be in the back of the mind of the coaching staff and some of these players, and I don't know if you're going to get that. And I don't know. It's interesting how that will play for Tennessee because a lot of Tennessee, like Josh Heupel and his coaching staff, like Hendon Hooker, Javonta Payton, Tyon Evans, I mean the list goes on and on, all their transfers, they are not a part of this series. So, you know, we'll see if they're in the heads of Kentucky or not, but don't forget – There's a little bit of a revenge factor potentially for Hendon Hooker, and it made me realize, Tennessee fans, if you missed it, go back and watch that 2019 Belk Bowl. I know Kentucky fans know it well. One hell of a game came down to the wire. Hendon Hooker was the starting quarterback for Virginia Tech. This was the game Lynn Bowden ran for 223 yards through the game-winning touchdown, but Hendon Hooker looked good in that one, scored a couple touchdowns. There was a fight pregame. There was a fight apparently the day before the game at some event. I mean, this was a bad, bad blood in this bowl game more than uh, you see generally in these types of bowl games. But will there be some any kind of residual effect there from Hendon Hooker? Maybe he's got. Maybe this one's personal for him. So those are two things Mark Stoops kind of hit on on the fact that uh, he got kind of bothered. I think by. The question that, uh, you know, maybe his team, are they are they fraudulent? Are they, you know, going downhill? He didn't really appreciate that. I wouldn't give much away on the injuries. And then uh, he was asked about Hendon Hooker a little bit here, but uh, that just kind of sparked my memory from that belt bowl. What, what a great game that was.
1: Would you say this is nothing more than just a hiccup as opposed to
2: choking? I, I don't understand the question at all. Is it what? Would
1: you say this is more of a handcuff? A lot of people say you're
2: uh, that's that's it your word. Through. That's your words or their words. I could, I could, I have no control over what anybody calls the way we play. I could control the way we do. You know what we talk in our locker room. So, um, yeah, we got beat by uh, a pretty pretty damn impressive team uh, in Georgia. And uh, played like crap this past week. There's no other way to describe it. So uh, you all could put on it, any way, you could call it any way, anything you really want. Uh, for us, it's about getting back to work.
3: We were right there. Uh, both went down. How, what's the status on those two guys?
2: We'll see. We'll
3: see. This is Mark on any closer to getting back? We'll see. Looks like
2: Deere Jackson was dressed. Is he available? We'll see. <laughs> I mean, nobody's given me a scouting report on injuries. You know what I mean? What I, I can't I, – I, I mean, we'll see as the week goes on. It's Monday. I haven't even seen these players yet today. So, I'm not trying to be a prick about it. It's just, you know, who who knows. Who knows whether they're available or not or whatever. I mean, Derek's getting closer. Um, not quite ready last week. Yeah.
4: All right. So, I mean, hey, I think you see it kind of there. I mean, this this is such an important game for kentucky hell if they drop this one there all of a sudden tennessee jumps them in the standings now that's unlikely to last very long if it even happens because uh tennessee's gotta play georgia the following week so kentucky can skip them right back but i don't know after so much promise how these kentucky fans a lot of them thought maybe they were destined for atlanta new year's Six bowl all this type of stuff here suddenly they could be looking at a third straight loss tennessee is uh You know, it's basically like what Florida is to Tennessee is basically what Tennessee is to Kentucky. I mean, they are the Freddy Krueger in their nightmares. And I know Kentucky fans are, are going to be confident going into this one. They're playing at home. They're undefeated at home. They're getting them at night. It is going to be a scene up there. But... I'm just saying, I mean, this this is one where uh, the favorite is not always the team that wins in this series. It should be one hell of a game here in Lexington Saturday night. But, hey, that's all I got on this episode. Got a couple guests lined up for the rest of the week. Should be one hell of a week here for the show. Cousin Shane will be back on the next edition. But that's going to do it. Catch you on the next one.